Welcome to episode 41 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. Michael O'Brien from the Sun-Times here with Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Hoops Report. The season is in the books. It is all over. We're all home from Peoria. And uh, we have a, a new state champion, well, at least one locally, with Curie. Belleville Altoff 1-3A, and, and I guess we'll get right into state tournament thoughts first. How was your weekend, Joe? Well, my, the thing that jumped out of me is that season of unrest, the season of unpredictable anything goes, kind of gave us both the favorites and these underdogs. Beginning of the year, you, me, no one would have projected Lincoln Way West or Bennett Academy to be playing in a state championship game. But at the end of the day, we've got Belleville Altoff, who everyone thought would be playing in the state championship game, playing in it and winning it, and Curie, who, no, people didn't have them one or two. I, mean, I did have them ranked higher, I know, than, than most because I was really high on them back in November. But, you know, I, I think Ford was really up for grabs anyway, and, and one of the powers did win it. But I, I think we got a taste of both. With, with those upstarts that made it to Peoria and, and continue to pull off upsets. And then as well as, obviously, I, I think right now, though, do you agree that Belleville Altoff's the best team in Illinois? Or are you, are you less of that and more Curie's closer than... I think Curie's close. Um, I think it would be... A, I mean, it's... The Curie that played, you know, Rockford-Auburn would lose to the Belleville Altoff that won the title game, but I think they'd do pretty well against the Belleville Altoff that played St. Joe's. I think they'd beat them. Right. And, and I think that's for our advantage, our, our disadvantage is that, yes, we saw the final results. They both won state championships. We saw Curie a ton. And you and I obviously did not see Altoff, you know, yeah. anywhere near as what we saw Curie. So you kind of take it in, okay, and, and this is what I do a lot of times. Now, end results matter the most. But I also, when you have end results and you have two state champions like Curie and Altoff, I kind of take – you in, in a typical situation, I look back at, okay, when I saw them play at their highest level, their very best basketball, who was a better team? And, you know, not having the opportunity to see Altoff play as much as the Chicago area teams, that kind of holds you back from doing that. I still think Altoff is the best team. I think they're the most balanced, well-rounded. Uh, but that's not to say Curie couldn't beat them. It's not like if they played 10 times, Altoff sweeps all 10. I'd go Altoff six, win six out of 10. But That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. Uh, but um, I, I think when you combine two, while Devin Gage was spectacular, Jordan Goodwin, wow. I mean, I this is two years in a row where he has – I. I factored up his numbers. He's averaged a double-double in four tournament games in Peoria. He's got a state runner-up finish, a state championship, and he's just a junior. So you look at him as kind of almost like a difference maker when you're comparing teams. He's got a will to win, Mike, That a, 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 a tenacity about him that sets him apart from your typical high school player. And then when you combine the physicality he plays with, as well as his overall talent. You've got your arguably, I don't think any more arguably, but the most productive and best high school basketball player in the state right now. 
the um he is the single greatest rebounding guard I've ever seen in high school basketball. I can't even come up with anyone close. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, Manoy was more of a three. Nate Manoy. Yeah, Manoy was not getting five assists in a state title game, you know, and, right. and handling the ball like that. Jordan Goodwin is actually a guard, and he's getting double-digit rebounds a game. He's just a fierce competitor. Yeah, he is He is something else. There's no doubt about it. I mean, wow. I His shot still questionable. His free-throw shooting, if you look at the statistics, are pretty abysmal. Yeah, that's the one really bad. And he knows that. He addressed that but a couple times. It, mechanically, his shot looks better than it did a year ago. So I think that will. He's never going to be a great shooter, but he can more than make it, make up the difference with his shot between now and two, three years down the road. Yeah, he's um, boy, yeah, just a load of a player. It's pretty spectacular. And that's why it would be interesting, that hypothetical Curie game. It's hard to see Jordan Goodwin losing that game, but Boy, we have got to give Devin Gage credit. It's hard for me to see him losing that game now, too. He has just time and again just come up and won games. In like, the second half of it, it's yeah. so odd. Yeah. I mean, all year long, and, and I guess it's – I don't know how it's orchestrated, but somehow, some way, he comes up in a big ways in their biggest games in the second half. Uh, he single-handedly turned the tide in that – you know. And that you look at that Curie Bennett game, that championship game, and you know Bennett got off the good start, and Curie really raised their level of defensive pressure and intensity, and getting out and transition more in the second quarter. But then Devin Gage really distanced Curie away and put, put it away with that third quarter. Yeah, you know you looked at the halftime stats, and if you just looked at the halftime stats, you would assume. The Curie had been was down twelve points, based on the shooting percentages, based on the rebounds. Yeah, they were getting whooped all over the place, but it was just five, and that was a pretty good sign, uh, I thought for Curie at the time, and, and it turned that way. I mean, Bennett was shooting basically fifty percent from three in the first half, and nobody's going to keep that up, and that went down, and then those three threes that Devin Gage hit. Just, I mean, they were backbreakers right. for Bennett. Total backbreakers. And we talked about that in the pre-tournament show, how Curie can beat you with a three-pointer. Yet, Gage, yes, he can knock a three down, but he wasn't one of the prime guys. I mean, you talk about Joyner, Nolly, Pickens. Those are the guys that consistently have been able to knock threes down. And then Gage has been a little bit inconsistent from three. More about driving the basket, drawing contact, getting to the line. But, again, Devin Gage took over the Whitney Young sectional game the second half. Gage was huge against Kenwood in their two-point overtime win. Uh, Gage, again, did it in the state championship game. So, I mean, Devin Gage has more than proved his worth uh, as a big-time winner. And, And getting Curie, obviously we've talked about Curie a lot, being the best team not to do this or not to do that. And they not only got over the sectional hump, they went and made the most of it once they got to Peoria. Yeah, I mean, the title game, Joyner had a three. Nolly had one three. Pickens didn't hit one. I mean, if you'd have told me that ahead of the time, I'd have thought that would have been a, a big problem. But then Devin steps up, hits four. We should also note, Curie did this without Michael Johnson, who's not a household name. He's a sophomore guard, but he was basically their second guy off the bench all season long. He was the seventh, uh, kind of the second backup guard, you know, after Landers Nolly, he, he would do the point role while Nolly would come in, kind of play the two, three role. 
uh, he just he left the team. Uh, he wasn't there for the whole playoff run, and that, that's kind of a big uh, a big loss, you know, heading into the playoffs. They didn't miss a beat, and we should definitely mention the title game performance of Trayvon Martin. Yeah, I huge mean, factor. I wow. Mean, I, uh, you know, against a team without much size or athleticism, he made he, he he stepped up. I mean, on the boards, fourteen rebounds, ten points. He altered some shots. You know, I he he was just a difference maker. And, and when back to this Altoff Curry comparison, as we're talking about our two title winners, what really jumped out at me is that they were they were similar in that. Yes, they had this go-to guy who was a physical guard who could take over games. Jordan Goodwin for Altoff, Devin Gage for Curie. Now, Goodwin's a better player, a better prospect down the road than I think Gage will be. But And then you look at the complementary players, and they all have they, – they both had different multiple weapons to go to and with different players stepping up, different games, different – I mean – Nolly, I think, scored 17 in the super sectional game, I think. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Joyner had 22 in the state semifinal. In the Kenwood game, Pickens was huge. Or in the sectional games, Pickens was huge. So you had these multiple weapons for both these teams that is really the reason why they were where they were set by Saturday night. And they had the star, but they didn't have to always rely and go to that star all the time. They had different guys always picking them up, a lot of different weapons offensively in particular uh, on both those teams. And that's why they, they were pretty comparable in, in terms of you know, the personnel on their teams. Um, let's jump in. We're going to kind of give you guys a rundown. We're going to talk about kind of the 3A state finals and the 4A. Then we're going to hit the questions. We've got a bunch. So let's uh, kind of hit 3A overall, the four games on the weekend. Uh I guess we'll start with the title game. Lincoln Way West just came out and got overrun, basically. The first quarter, what was close, and then a little bit into the second, things started getting ugly. Yeah, they're, they're, they're uh, strictly talking championship game. There's not a lot to talk about. They they dominated. Altoff dominated. I don't know if it was a matter of the just the bubble bursting for a team that I think by all accounts – Yes, they deserve to be there. I'm not saying that at all. They beat, they went and beat Hillcrest. They went and beat Morgan Park. They went and beat Peoria Emanuel. That's big time. But I think they are a team that did really overachieve. And, and that's a credit to, the, to Coach Flaherty and each individual player because that's what happens in March. That's what happens in, in, in tournament play. Teams that get hot, gain more confidence, and they did all of that. But – I just think it was just like it was like one too many games for them to try to, and Altoff is definitely better than Manuel, and they're better than every team they played. Uh, but that, that's a tough road when you go Hillcrest, Morgan Park, Peoria Manuel, and then Altoff. Yeah, I mean, if you, it's pretty clear what happened. Petnato was shut down by Jordan Goodwin, and then the other guys got their shots. If you go back and watch the game. John Murata, Jay Bumstead, and Nolan Green, they, they got the shots that they wanted. They just missed them. Um, and you're talking maybe legs tired. You're talking just the moment. You're talking a lot of different things. And it goes back to what I just talked about Curie and Altoff is, is they just have so many more weapons where a Lincoln Way West was, you know, Petnato, terrific. Murata, you know, they've had other guys step up. 
but they don't have that surplus of go-to weapons uh, that those other two teams had. Yeah, Cam Gavin had a great game, I thought, uh, against Altov. Ten points, I think he had four or five assists. He got to the basket like two or three times on drives that I hadn't seen him make before. Um, which I thought was really impressive against Altov. But the big number in that game, the rebounds were 44 to 19, I think. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're missing those shots, and then you're not getting the rebound. And then Belleville, you know, wow. They really put it on. They showed everybody just how great they can play. A, a big game from Tarkus Ferguson. It looks like he's going to be a nice one for Yeah, uh, UIC, UIC recruit. Yeah. And, 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 you know, they were much more energized then I saw them the day before against St. Joe's. Uh, St. Joe's played them tough. I mean, there's no question. Yeah. Altoff did not appear for whatever reason to be, I don't know, they just, I don't want to say flat. They weren't flat, but they just did not seem to have the same type of energy as they did in this, and, and come out with it in the state championship game. Uh, one thing I noticed, and I don't know if the play, players probably don't even recognize this, or, or I, I walked in, Mike, that first 3A game, and saw the crowd. Lincoln Way West, if you weren't there, had a terrific showing from their, their fan base, both students and just – it was huge crowd. And Peoria Manual had a nice group of Peoria Manual fans, but you could also tell a lot of locals probably came out to check out Peoria. It's a good basketball town. There's One of their own is playing in it. So that 3A opening game crowd was one of the bigger afternoon opening game crowds I've seen at Peoria in, in quite a, probably since, well, Lincoln when they brought all those fans uh, a few years ago. But the place just emptied. Did you notice it's just emptied out? Mm-hmm. And it was just dead, almost like a morgue uh, for the St. Joe's Altoff game. If I had to guess, and I don't know if do they even, they don't give attendance numbers anymore, do they? No. I mean, I, I would have guessed five, 6,000. For that first game, wouldn't you say at least? I have no idea. I'm bad. At that. Um, and I was just looking around. I thought it was at least half full, if not a little more. And holes, I think eleven. But then I, I bet there was, I don't know, fifteen hundred for the the Altoff St. Joe's game. So I don't know if that factored into it all. But St. Joe's played tough. Nick Rakosovich again. But the reason why St. Joe's was down in Peoria, and I had even talked to some of the teams that they knocked off along the way to get there is the guards really matured and improved from Jason Towers, who had a really nice two games down there, the junior six, two junior guard. Uh, and then the freshman, I mean, he stepped up big time in that all tough game, uh, the freshman point guard and, you know, Marquise Walker is a, is a name now. And you're looking at that's the reason I think you know what you're getting with Nick Rakosovich. He's going to be a 20 point, 14 rebound guy. And then those guards over the last two or three weeks of the season played a role that was much more impactful and under control than they had, you know. And that, that goes with the without saying because they were, you know, 30 games into the season as opposed to 10, 15 games. Yeah. I mean, have to go back to our preview. Po- podcast i definitely underestimated st joe's you know we knew they'd beaten north lawndale and fenwick but it's hard to get out of your mind when you've seen a team lose so many times like i saw st joe's lose so many times this season but they're obviously much better you know than i definitely gave them credit for headed into this and you are right about towers jason towers kind of low-key was the breakout star to me 
of this state tournament. Two very good games against very good competition, and the baseline dunk he had was the move of the tournament. Yes, that's that was a big one by uh, far. That was standard. Jordan Goodwin had a pretty nasty take right down the middle to dunk it. That was close. But to me, Towers, I mean, you always kind of knew he was a fun athlete. But I had him kind of behind Jordan Boyd and 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 Joffrey Brown and you know some other guys on that team. But boy, did he look the the part. He really had two impressive games. Yeah, he showed some signs this summer, AAU wise. And then as interesting, I was talking to Rick Melnati this week and. We were talking about this Joe, the Joe's Fenwick game, and I remember one of the things he said. You know who's better than we we thought he was, Jason Towers. Uh, so I didn't see that game. I don't know what kind of game Towers had in that particular game, but uh, you know St. Joe's again, one big six eleven kid who with a lot of experience, big game experience, was a consistent high level producer, and then the collection of younger kids came together. And Mike, I mean, I, it's it's the classic case of playing your best basketball at the right time. They clearly, like you said, they lost a lot of games to high-level teams. Their biggest regular season win was over Riverside Brookfield, and they they went out and beat a red-hot, highly regarded North Lawndale team, and then <clears throat> obviously a Fenwick team that everyone projected to get to Peoria. Yeah, a great run. The future is set up nice. It's going to be interesting to watch. What Joe's does over the spring and in June, um, I guess, essentially, because they, they are loaded, and I'm sure they've got some younger talent coming in. Um, LeVon Thomas had a rough state tournament overall. He just could not. You know, he's a big, big. He's bulky. He doesn't get up real easy. And the Altoff was just too athletic, totally took him out of that game. It was kind of striking. Pingator eventually just gave up and didn't bring him back in. Uh, he, he saw right away. Yeah, look, I'm looking out. He had yeah, seven a, minutes. Yeah, matchup problems, yeah, too. That was um, a disaster. Speaking yeah. of Pingator, 14 wins now away from 1,000. <laughs> 1,000, which I just Jeez. wrote and put something up. That record will never, ever be broken. Most coaching wins in state history, it'll never be broken. I mean, 1,000 wins in this day and age. I mean, people aren't even, they're like getting out of the business after 10 years. Uh, sure so, won't be broken in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's um, you know, and, and then you pull you you called Lincoln Way West over Manual. It didn't surprise me, particularly when, you know, what you saw of Manual. I went with Manual from what I saw in Tuesday's Super Sectional, which they looked very good. Demonte Williams was very good in the Super. Manual looked good, and Boylan Rockford Boylan looked good. They were great in that game. Demonte Williams did nothing in the semifinal loss to Lincoln Way West, yet they were still in it, 45-41 final. Ramon Douglas Watkins, very intriguing player. It didn't shock me that Lincoln Way West won, but it did surprise me. Yeah, they played very well. It just, you know, I, I see enough Emmanuel at Pontiac, this, and it's kind of been this same team now for two years. Um, I guess Youngman, you know, wasn't around. They're one of those, to me, they're a little up and down. You don't know what you're going to get. And I, I'd never seen them play at a, a super high level. I thought they played very well against Joes. Um, however, even though DeMonte Williams didn't have a great game. But even the Joliet West game, upon, it was just DeMonte Williams' show. He went off. you know, yeah. And nobody else, even Douglas Watkins, wasn't super great in that game. But, I mean, they're, they've got to be the clear favorite next year, though, in 3A. Yeah, those, they got four of their top six yeah. back. They're three leading scorers. And, you know, and, and it is, un- again, we could talk about this again, about a little unfair of teams change so much from Christmas to March. Mm-hmm. I mean, we both know that. 
and had had talked I had talked to some people that had watched them during their state tournament sectional games and that they were playing really well and looked impressive and they beat you know throttled a Bloomington team and then again the boiling but yeah you're right they just they did not they also came absolutely unglued in the final 90 seconds with two terrible shot selections three pointers they came out of a timeout and ran an alley oop they they didn't foul down with four fouls to give it, it was just a falling apart in the last 90 seconds yeah, well they scored six points in the fourth quarter Lincoln Way West you know just took it to them and that for I think they had two quarters in the game where they had single digit points and it's tough to win a high school game even scored in the 40s when that's happening Lincoln Way West defense was a real underrated factor throughout the whole thing uh the whole this whole run I think for sure team just really had a tough time getting the shots they wanted and the looks they wanted against Lincoln Way West and I mean the, the I think the two big stories are are all toffs and Jordan Goodwin's, you know, run to, to, to being the best team, as well as Lincoln West, uh, West's just phenomenal stretch run. I mean, that, that, that was a great story in, in 3A. Yeah, it, it kept me, it gave me a nice shot of adrenaline for the season. It was fun to see. It brought some life to the state tournament, some life to the south suburbs for basketball again that really, really needs it because the future does not look bright now that Altoff has come into that ISU super sectional next year. So, for anyone from the south suburbs in 4A to get to state next year, they're going to have to beat Simeon and Altoff. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like their chances. <laughs> it's it's going to be tough. And, and, uh, and uh, St. Joe's will be, while we're on the topic, um, will, will, will be 4A as well. Yeah. So, so that, that mean, leaves Manuel right now as the big favorite. I think statewide. All this talk this year about 3A, and, and I guess the talk is from me. I wrote about it a lot, but 3A being better than 4A as a whole for maybe the first time in the four class system next year. Eesh. I mean, yeah. with Altoff and Joe's moving up, uh, a lot of these teams that had great seasons like the Galesburgs of the world and Metamoras and Dixons and uh, all of these teams. Landfear, all of them lose key, huge, huge parts of their teams. And 3A is going to be ultra weak next year. Uh, let's jump on into the 4A tournament here. It, uh, it's, well, I mean, I guess the big one you got to talk, the Curie Auburn game, I guess we'll start with. Um, yuck. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I just, Big Curie gets off to a huge lead, which is usually a disaster for any CPS team. I think it was fifteen to nothing. Right. And you know, then they just let it all fall apart. Auburn gets back in it. Um, it they Auburn really dominated the middle of the game, the second and third quarter, and then Curie has a big fourth quarter, gets the win, which I think is closer than people are going to remember historically. Right. Um, I, mean, I still yeah. forget that it was a two point game yeah. that happened days ago. It had the look of an ugly public league game. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, win and survive, move on. Curie, what was interesting is that was out of their last four games. I mean, Curie won this thing by playing some really tight games. I mean, the young, Whitney Young game was a two-point game. Kenwood was a two-point game in overtime. I was at both of those games. Uh, I never got the feeling they were going to lose to Young throughout that entire game. I really thought they were done on a couple of occasions against Kenwood. Niles Notre Dame wasn't easy. 
Um, and then, of course, this two-point game. And then, you know, I, I just think, you know, that 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 second semifinal was probably the 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 biggest stunner of the weekend when Bennett took out Simeon. Simeon went a different row than I would have anticipated in terms of playing the junk defenses that they threw at Bennett. Yeah, they opened up with a box and one on Dockery. With I mean, whether it was a box and one or a triangle and two or, uh, you know, Bennett is just so balanced. They have five guys that can have eight to 11 points per game. And they just they did what they did all year to win big games. They took care of the ball, didn't turn it over. I think they had seven or eight turnovers. They held their own on the glass. I think Simeon only. Yeah, that that was the key thing. I mean, Simeon out-rebounded him by three. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so I mean, you, you you held your own yeah. the glass. You didn't turn the ball over. You didn't shoot it great, but you made just enough shots. And, you know, Bennett did what they do. They, they played unselfish, disciplined basketball. And the, the classic sum is greater than the parts and pulled off. What was the biggest upset of the weekend? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and to me, that game really, obviously, there was strategically, it was just weird. You know, Simeon kept trying to kill a clock. They just didn't. You know, sometimes a team comes out and it's obvious. It looked like they don't didn't want to be there. I mean, it it was a strange game. After the game, you know, I pressed a little bit in, at the press conference. Um, Rob Smith was talking about how Bennett wanted it more. Um, and that was just obvious. And right. so and my next question, you know, was to Zach Norvell. It's like, well, Zach, I sat down with you yesterday and you told me how much you wanted this. And now if you don't win the state title at Simeon, you've done nothing. So I, when Rob sits there next to you now and tells me that Bennett wanted it more, that doesn't make any sense to me. Did you, I mean, yeah, uh, and, what and do you say to that? And he said that he thinks that they over- overlooked them. that a lot of members of the team were looking past Bennett. I mean, I look at the, the, the stat line, that stat sheet t- told a lot to me about Simeon's game, that particular game. I mean, Zach Norvell at 18 and 10, at three assists, played the 32 minutes. Gilliard hit four threes, had 16 points. But then after that, I mean, ugh. It's brutal. I, and the, Zach Norvell had, that was almost all in the first half. Bennett I mean, shut him down in the second half. I mean, they got nothing from, from Josh Thomas. At all, I mean, he, he nothing. Uh, they got Taylor Horton Tucker was their third leading scorer in that game, but he wasn't a factor on the glass. Uh, and then even like a Madison Lowry who didn't play much, just different guys that they needed somebody to to step up. And you look at all their their games, they're like, like that crazy weekend when they ran off those wins. Yeah, and like Ben Coupet. Coupet had a he had he at least had a double digit boards in that game I think but the rebounding was a, a real key a lot of people didn't realize right away you know Taylor Horton Tucker got almost nothing like you said Josh Thomas and looking now yeah one rebound in that two for James Gordon Madison Lowry only had one Robert Smith realized this that's why we saw Antoine Campbell check in and play a lot of the fourth quarter and he did grab four boards but when Simeon's not out rebounding Bennett that's a huge issue and the other one I mean Evan Gilliard did score 16 but he could not get almost anything to fall um, all of his drives to the basket, all of his mid-range jumpers. He was five for 15 from the game and it wasn't like they were bad shots. You know, Evan Gilliard generally, Oh, he takes good shots. They just wouldn't go in. And it, I think if a couple of those had gone in, it would have changed the tide a little bit. It just, nothing went right for Simeon that day. Give Bennett a lot of credit for that. 
they didn't well, shoot and, lights out or anything. They just played a solid game. And if you're Simeon, the bigger, more athletic, more talented team, you've got to get to the line more than four times. Yeah. Uh, they shot four free throws, two of four from the line. And it's just, you know, all the credit to Bennett. I mean, they, 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 they were able to. I mean, Bennett has not been this slow down team this year that a lot of people think they are. I mean, they're not a run and gun, get out and transition, but you know they they would get a lot of threes off secondary breaks and trans and off off transition. I mean they, but they did they didn't take the air out of the ball, but they did control the tempo. And vice, you know, you fast forward twenty four hours later to the Curie game, and totally different story. That's what Curie. And I think Bennett did get tired. I think they got gassed. You could see it. The Curie game changed when the full court pressure started to get applied by by Curie. And Simeon right. never did that. And everyone's always going to wonder why they didn't do that. Rob Smith, you know, he, he told him he thought Curie was going to do that because he said they're deeper than his team. Well, and that's not Simeon's thing. Exactly. I mean, that's just not it, how they play. You know, they everybody looks at the public league. Oh, they're going to get out, pressure you, full court, trap. Um, get out and transition, really force the issue. That's just not how Simeon plays. And, uh, you know, they, they've the, 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 the 28 wins a year for 12 years, the multiple state titles, it's hard to argue against how they do things. Uh, but in certain situations, and this one in particular, this was a team that I, I think if you're going to get them out of their comfort level and try to speed Bennett up, Bennett was never sped up, really, in that Simeon no. game. And they were, to a degree, in the Curie game, partly because of what Curie's doing, partly because I think they might have been a little bit tired. They're not very deep. You know, you look at their minutes in, in, in the Simeon game, and every kid played, well, four of their five starters played 32 minutes. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's taxing. And to come back 24 hours later and then play that, that, that Curie game where – they come at you, uh, you know. Not always, they're not as disciplined defensively, but they attack you more defensively. And it's not like I think a lot of people are hesitant, maybe to press Bennett or think that works. Bennett's not going to turn the ball over a lot, still. But you know, like you said, it's going to wear them down. Their shooting percentage is going to drop drastically. It it totally takes them out of their comfort zone. Everything works better for them when they don't have to deal with that pressure to get over the half-court line. We saw that right away in the second half uh, you know, of the title game. Maybe it was smart for Mike Oliver to wait until then. Uh, who knows, but it worked out well for them. Got to give Bennett credit. I don't. Obviously, I didn't see them beating Simeon. I still think Simeon would beat them if we're doing our out of ten times. What do you think? Seven? Seven or eight. Yeah. Um, um Seven or eight times, but I mean, I I remember. I mean, I was I talked to Gene Heidkamp, Coach Heidkamp, uh, that day prior to, and and we 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 sit here and say that right now, but it only takes you one time, and yeah. and, and you know they are they are a confident group. I mean, they have done some things in that program over the years that has instilled that they are they buy into what they do. I wrote about it. I just put it up. Uh, on the Sun-Times website, what stands out to me about Bennett is everything they do, they do with a purpose. And whether it's defensively, offensively, whether it's passing, whether it's 
when they decide to double, whenever they, whatever they do, there's just a, a, a purpose in it. And that's a credit to high camp. It's a credit to those players for buying into that. And again, it goes back to the whole, that's what high school basketball is about. And that's why it's fun. Teams like Lincoln Way, Weston Bennett, this is what you don't see in the NBA and you almost never see in college. Teams like that, that can go on these runs and take down the big teams. It's absolutely exciting. You know, it usually doesn't get you all the way to a state title game and almost never wins you a state title. But we saw from both of those teams this weekend that our that's why our sport is so much fun. Everybody makes the playoffs. It's a fresh slate then. And like Lincoln Way West did, you can literally be playing for the state title. You know, well, if, and if then there's this, it's this historical factor involved, and I had done this, and I haven't added to this since I did it about four years ago. But to be a state champion, the amount of Division One, the amount of teams that have had Division One players, not just one but multiple Division One players, is I don't know what the percentage is. It's close to a hundred percent in the big schools. Yeah. And Bennett clearly doesn't have a single Division One player. They they may not have a Division Two player, and so again, that's even more credit to what those kids and what Coach Heitkamp accomplished to be able to take advantage, you know, of a uh, and all these teams. I mean, you you only can play who you play, but I think we'll agree this year is a little different than any other year that we've seen in re- as far as recent years, and. Just to take advantage of the opportunity and, and do what they did. I mean, 31 wins, playing on the last night of the year, uh, that's something else for, for that Bennett Academy team. Definitely. Um, I was thinking about this Curie team. You know, I didn't go back and <laughs> run through it all, but I, I would guess that they're historically, they're a pretty young team to win the big school state title. Um, you know, there have been some other ones, you know, with the manual teams when they were younger. I was Peoria thinking of Central uh, when they, th- that they, first they, all year. those guys came yeah. back the second time. But, but but overall, this is a team with only one senior um, right. playing a lot that won the, the big school state title, and that's pretty rare. Now, the flip side of that is I will say they probably beat two of the, you know, they didn't beat any powerhouses to win the state title. Rockford Auburn had a nice season. Bennett was good, but that that isn't exactly two awe-inspiring wins to win the state title. Right, and then go back to you can only be who you have to play, yeah. and and Curie did it, and they're a program that, well, they, we I mean, they had about. their tough games before they got to state. Frankly, uh, it, it yeah. was it was the I Kenwood mean, game, that Notre Dame game was a challenge at the end. Um, so it's not like they had a weak road. They played several ranked teams just to get to Peoria when a lot of teams played none to get to Peoria. But, yeah, the, but the actual two state title games, state finals games, not going to be remembered as uh, knocking off Giants. But, all right, anything else you got on this uh, state tournament? You no, I know we got a lot of questions yeah. uh, for this this coming up here. But, um, no, nothing really. I just, again, I mean, you, you talk about some first, you know, the Lincoln Way West story, uh, the Curie story. Um and it's crazy to think Bennett's been in two of the last three state championships. And, you know, they lost to that Jaleel Okafor, Jaleel Okafor team and then now a public lead team in Curie. I, I, it's funny. I don't even know if if I had to rank my Bennett teams over the last this seven, eight-year run. I mean, they're not as talented as the Sobolewski-Kaminsky team. They're probably not as good as the Sean O'Mara team. They're... You know, but again, are they as good as last year? 
Yeah, I, I, I think well, Colin Bonnet was a beast. Yeah, yeah. I just there, there, there's something that goes beyond the talent with this team. That's there's true. just yeah. that 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 togetherness, that chemistry, uh, that 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 kind of transcends everything else, and and that's why they are what they were this year and where where they ended up. All right, Malcolm Lively. Boy, we got a lot of questions here. Um, he says he loves the show. He's got a couple questions after watching all the games. First one, after watching Zach Norvell play this weekend, I can't believe he's not ranked higher in the 2016 national class. Did he develop that much over just one summer? I mean, he's been a different player just since Pontiac to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I haven't even looked at where he's ranked right now nationally. Uh, I haven't either, but he's nowhere. Ne- he's so much better than he was last year that it's mind blowing to me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think he's the most improved player. Yeah, I, I just this whole recruiting. I I think Zach Norvell found himself the perfect spot for him. I, I, it's the perfect level, and Gonzaga is as good as any program in the country. I mean, for the most part, but. It's just a spot that I think is going to fit him perfectly, and I mean their national rankings. People get hung up on the rankings a lot, and I know they're fun. After you get past, I don't know, forty players ranking the top 30, 40 players, it is so interchangeable between the sixty-seventh ranked player and the ninety-second ranked player and the hundred and third ranked player. You know, I, I mean, I think he's probably he's a top 100 talent in most rankings, and I think that's probably after the season he's put together about where he should be. Yeah, such high level shots. He was really fun to. I really enjoyed watching him these last two months. Um, he took off. All right, next one. As an Illinois alum, please tell me that I shouldn't be worried about Demonte Williams' performance in the semifinal game on Friday. I didn't really see what all the hype is about. You should be worried in that that happens on. I don't know how many times it happens, but he does have these flat Crandall head flat type games. performances. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm going down that <laughs> yeah. road. He is not Crandall head, but uh, you know, the, 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 if that's the only time you saw him, yeah, you'd be worried. But you know, there's other times where you've he, he's he was sick from everything we heard. He might even been in the hospital on Tuesday. Well, I had heard Monday. Tuesday yeah. night for the super sectional. I had heard that how sick he was and I, I, I to, to see how he played in that game in the super sectional I'm like okay well that's he's playing that way sick that's showing some some stones you're showing a lot of uh toughness and then he played at a high level you know Demonte's last hurdle last step is consistent assertiveness play with a chip on your shoulder every game out and I, my question to you Joe is that doesn't nobody finds that they've got it or they don't. I mean, if there's one thing I'm pretty confident about, yeah, there's different levels of a man. I mean, there are there's... different levels, but nobody finds their motor late in life. Well, I mean, he's never going to. There's, I mean, you're talking a different motor than a Jordan Goodwin, but if if Demonte Williams had Jordan Goodwin's motor, oh geez, yeah. then Illinois is not getting him. Yeah, that's, uh, okay, that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, that's he's extremely talented. He does. Please don't throw the Crandall head thing at me. He's long. <laughs> yeah. He's athletic. He looks the part. All of that. 
He's got way more ball skills than Crandall had. I don't know why I'm doing that. But <laughs> Demonte Williams is going to be – he's a good recruit for Illinois. He's a top, legit top 100 talent. When you watch him at his best, he's a no-brainer in those regard, in that regard. Uh, but there is concern about you – know, and I'm not necessarily saying motor. I'm just saying assertiveness and, and, and instilling your will on a game. Uh, just a junior. So we got next year to see. And and, and there's no you question he made a jump from his sophomore yes. year to his junior De- year. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's very I, true. I know you don't watch the AAU circuit, uh, but he, I saw that immediately when I remember watching him last April. Well, no, and he went from – I wasn't sure he was a Division One basketball player. I mean, I saw him in April, year. and I said, how yeah. is this the same kid I saw just yeah. four months ago? So I, I I think you should be excited as an Illinois fan that he's committed. I, I, I think he's going to be a very good college basketball player. Uh, next question, very related. He, How come Ramon Douglas Watkins isn't getting more looks? He seems like Manuel's best player, not Williams. Yeah, high school basketball level, he can do some things that are really difficult to contain match up against. He's, he's strong, he's athletic, he's wiry, and he plays with a motor, he plays hard. The, the question, and it's not like he's not on anybody's radar. He's one of my top 25 prospects in that class. He's gotten plenty of Division One interest. It's a matter now, is he going to be a low Division One player or a mid-major? And it's all going to be, when you watch him as a fish out of water playing on the perimeter exclusively, he does not have the skill level right now to warrant you know, a super high level of recruitment. But he's a factor because of his size, his length, his activity, his production. And he's a, he's a Division One player. It's just a matter of how, how high a level he can go between now and July and during the recruiting season as a perimeter player. Because he gets all – he can't shoot right now. I mean, he'll stick a little jumper, mid-range jumper. Uh, you know, he's a 3-4 man right now who's got to be a 3-2 position-wise. And if he does that – then he's going to be Missouri Valley. He's going to be, you know, that that type of player. Uh, but he's got a ways to go in, in that area. Um, we probably shouldn't get into it. Uh, we won't. Um, a the the AP had Demonte Williams on their first team All State, which was a joke, and made me pretty angry because they're my peers. Could we all stop looking at where people go to college when we pick high school awards? I mean, it's totally well, I, ridiculous. To I me. put a tweet out that, and again, there are most years, Mike, and I think you'll agree. There is plenty, and you know this from doing your own all area, all areas, and the, there's so much debate that you can legitimately make for all state teams every single year. I agree, but to me, there were four absolute no-brainer selections in 3A, and then you can kind of argue maybe the fifth person is, but Jordan Goodwin, Charlie Moore, Nick Rakosevich, and Mike Smith of Fenwick, I mean, they have to be on your all your, <laughs> Yeah, They have to be. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not even yeah. close. For Mike Smith not to be on a first-team 3A All-State team is a joke, and I, I don't usually get this adamant about it because I do think my opinion could be different than, you know, this reporter or this basketball observer and you could debate and argue, and I can see it. But you can't here. These four guys are all staters. Then you can debate your fifth guy, Isaiah Roby of Dixon, 
you know, would, would probably be my fifth guy. But, you know, there's other guys you could plug in there. But for Mike Smith to not make it and DeMonte Williams to make it is just – it's not justified. It's pretty annoying, and it's going to give us a lot of insight to next year's awards. DeMonte Williams, I think, could score 12 points in a year and win Mr. Basketball the way this is going, but we'll yeah, move on. Good, uh, just real quick. Yeah. Goodwin's got a really a big head. Uh, I mean, he's got a – You would think. Yeah. He should have. Yeah. I mean, just, his numbers, Mike, are pretty – Oh yeah, he's the he's the real deal. There's I mean, he's no, got over 1,700 yeah. career points already. I mean, he his, he does it all. He's got the production. He passes the look test immediately when you watch and, a high school basketball, and he wins. And he wins. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, I was uh, still more Malcolm. He's got a few here. We'll try to roll a little quicker through these. I was really disappointed in the way that Morgan Park finished the year. I've been watching Charlie Moore since he was a freshman and wanted to see him get a third championship. With that said, is there still enough talent on Morgan Park to make a run next year? Um, first off, yeah, it was disappointing then to Morgan Park. If you go back and look, they won some big games after the whole protest thing, but they never really won the super big game after that. I think that when high school basketball kids have to deal with TV cameras in and out of practice, I think I just feel like they used energy for that protest about the gym and the game thing that they could have used in other ways later on in the basketball season, if that makes sense. I think they kind of spent themselves a little bit. And they also they, they were playing their best in December when nobody else was. So maybe other teams caught up. I think we saw that with that with that with Sim with Simeon. But it definitely was. I think everyone in Morgan Park would agree. They're all disappointed. As far as next year, there's more than enough to make a run. They're going to get some additions, more than likely. And they're on three A from transfers, and they remain in three A because they are technically a boundaried school. So Maybe. yeah. Early projection: Morgan Park, Hillcrest, battling out in the sectional. Um, you know that that's kind of what it looks like. Next Unless year. Lincoln Way West messes it up again, Marco's still there, man. <laughs> Don't yeah. count him out. Um, next up, uh, next question. He says there's a lot of quality in the 2017 class in Illinois, but not any dominant players. I think we could disagree. With Jordan Goodwin's a dominant player. Uh, any sophomores or freshmen from this past season you think could be great? Well, by great, if you're talking Brunson, Eulis, Okafor, Parker, Alexander, that, no. I, I just don't. I don't see a player of that magnitude at any level in the state. And usually those guys come up, they, they kind of burst on the scene very early. And I, I just don't see that. with. The, and that's what he's talking about being great. There's a lot of really, really good players that are going to be better than the senior class. The freshmen had a boatload of impactful players. Sophomore class, okay. I mean, it's just this could be another topic down the road in the offseason. But, no, I don't see any off the charts. I mean, Mike, you look at the past, and you can pull out a McDonald's All-American very early in their career. Yes. I don't uh, know. The, the one I would keep my eye on, the one I have high hopes for and I think has a high ceiling, I, I think we didn't see – Enough this year out of him, but I think Io Dosumu at Morgan Park, I think he's got the body, I think he has the smarts, I think he has the skills. We need, need to see him put it together, but he's one that I'm keeping my eye on. Yeah, I don't see any McDonald's All-American gear. Not to say that it won't be one, but I don't see one in Illinois high school basketball right now, which is crazy when you look at the historical run from 1978 to 2012. I think... There was a McDonald's All-American every single year, and now we've had three out of five or three out of six years 
without a McDonald's All-American. Yeah, and I think Zach and Charlie both played like one this year. You know, no, I don't. I mean, I'm not familiar not. with the national scene. They're not McDonald's All-Americans. I mean, nope, they're no as way. good as past McDonald's All-Americans we've had. Who? I'm talking before the NBA. Who? You know, run there. Illinois McDonald's All-Americans. Yeah. Who? Richmond. Jeremy, are you no? I, what? I I think the Zach and, Char- and Charlie's senior year was close. No. At, at the guard spot, you see. No. I, Oh, no, I, I'm not trying to. I, 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 this is an indictment on our state right now, and it depresses me uh, as a <laughs> for what I do. I, it, 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 it's crazy to me to say this, that I don't I'm saying that I don't see a McDonald's All-American in high school basketball in Illinois right now. And that's 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 four years worth. That's not to say a freshman or sophomore can't emerge and just blow up and blossom. But I mean, I, I think they were as good as Wayne. What Wayne was a McDonald's All American, Blackshear. I, I think Zach Norvell and Charlie's senior year was as good as Wayne Blackshear's. I think it was as good as Andre Andre Brown was his Andre, senior year. I might, I, I might give you Andre Brown. I'll give you, you know, Andre Brown. I, I think they didn't have the political stuff, and the problem was they didn't but, play like this junior year. Well, and and so you didn't the, get that's ahead. the other part of the McDonald's All American discussion is. The senior year doesn't really matter. Exactly. <laughs> it it, it yeah. doesn't at all. It's reputation. It's built in the spring and summer on the AAU circuit. And yeah, I'm looking at Bobby Frazier. No doubt they had a better senior year than Bobby Frazier did. He's McDonald's All-American. Yeah, I mean, there, there's probably a few uh, in the past. But, but I mean, I know lot. why they didn't make it. And they were yeah. probably right not to at the time. But I'm just talking senior year level of play. Zach Norvell could go walk out into that game next week and he would be just fine. But I mean, he would, and, he would and, fit and, in. And there's very rare as a McDonald's All-American outside the top 35, top 40 in the consensus national rankings. And I mean, whether you think it's right or wrong, Charlie Moore and Zach Norvell don't sniff that area. Amon uh, Schumpert. There's the other guy I'll pick on. Um, you know, he Scott, had a nice senior one, year. but He's one of the Hoops Report biggest misses ever, so I... Me as well. I, I, I was never a big Shumper guy. <laughs> Me too. Anyway, um, we gotta let's get um the other guy. Uh, that that was enough. Of that um Malcolm also asks asks um for us to do a update um later on in the spring. And yeah, we'll, we'll be doing some more podcasts. We're not gonna go dark totally during the spring and summer. Uh, next up here, Kevin Swan. Thanks for all your great work this season, especially in a down year. You guys continue to make the podcast. Oh, this is all a lot of good stuff about us, so we can... Thanks a lot, Kevin. Um, questions here. After a surprising end to the 3A and 4A seasons, I'm practically drooling over the prospects of seeing a Jordan Goodwin and Altoff team playing some of the big boys of the 4A Chicagoland teams. Have you heard any whispers of their team traveling north to prepare for the move to Class 4A? No, because um actually trying to figure out they can play Evanston in, in my my deal, but um, at uh, when sides collide... I saw Chicago League Classic. They, they, they're not really on the radar right now. They should be. Uh, so no, I mean, I, it would be nice to get Altoff up here and see Jordan Goodwin in the Chicago area, um, as opposed to just everybody waiting to see him on TV in Peoria, though. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. They should be at the city suburban thing um, against somebody. Yeah. I mean, Simeon or whoever, um, anybody wants. Curie. Curie Altoff. That that should be the City Suburban game, right? I'd play it. Yeah. Um, 
Next question. Are there any updates on Alonzo, Alonzo Verge Jr.? I really hope the area gets to see him on the court again soon. Kevin, there are rumors, and they're not good, but there are no um, official updates yet. That's something I'll probably check in on in a little bit. Uh, next question um, from a question asker who asks us to not use his name because he does stuff with the IHSA. He says, why not play both third-place games in the afternoon and both championship games at night? What would the IHSA's reasoning be not to do that? Money. They're afraid of zero people showing up for the third-place afternoon matinees that nobody would go to. But my argument against that, Mike, and you'll agree, disagree, I don't know. With the way the attendance is now, and and it's hard to break it down, school representation of fans versus just the everyday high school basketball fan that attends, how many thousands or what goes with what. But... It's getting to be more and more that the school representation is 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 where it's at, and why are because we've lost that that core fan. To me, it's almost like, well, what's the matter? They're they're all going to go see their teams play anyway, and your core fan is dwindled so much. Is it going to matter if you play those games in the afternoon? It's a no-brainer. You should have the championship games both at night. I think some other people would come down if they knew they got to see two title games, especially if they were good. No one wants to come down, watch the game in the afternoon, have nothing to do, have nowhere to go in Peoria, and wait around for a game that literally feels like it's never going to start because so much stuff is going on. You have no idea when that game's going to start. No clue. It's an 8-15 schedule They've got to get rid of that stuff, Mike. They've got to, the approximate... Approximately 8.15 tip time. Never starts at 8.15. You know, I... Uh, Jared's know, question here, why not move the first night game up to 6 so the second game starts earlier? Yeah, yeah. you should. The first, I mean, you should play the third place games at 11.30 and 6 and instead of noon and 6.30. And... You can get rid of the third place games for all I care. Well, you you can. I, to me, I, I was. I think it's worthless. But they've been doing it for years. Keep handing out the trophies, whatever. That's fine. I, let the kids play another game, but just don't have it interfere with what really matters at the end, and that's the state championship. So, yeah, I mean, everybody agrees it's a no-brainer. There's not one person that would disagree that would say, "No, I don't want state championship games back to back. No way." <laughs> it's, it makes too much sense, but. The reason why they do I don't think they just do it to keep 3A and 4A together. I think they do it initially because they knew nobody would go. Because you think about it, Mike. If you went to Friday's games, as a, not associated with a team, you go to Friday, and it's happening already. You go to Friday's games, you stay all night. Some of those fans come down Thursday night. You stay all night Friday night. And you, 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 you're going to sit in Peoria all day long to wait for two night games? I think a lot of people go home. You say a lot of people might it might just they might just swap on the highway as the other ones are going home and the other ones are coming down. But there's a lot of people right now who are going home on after Friday night's games. Right. Yeah, I, I think that it would, and that this might be why they're doing it because no one would stay in a hotel. They would come down for the Saturday title games. They wouldn't be there for Friday. You got to take a day off work. Well, yeah, but both things could happen. You know what I'm saying? The people yeah. that take off work or do the I'm talking about the traditionalists. They got the routines. They go down Thursday night or Friday morning. They we see those guys down there, those people. And 
those people aren't going to really change their routine. And they're not going to just drive down on Saturday at night to watch two games and go home. Those people are still going to do the whole experience. And maybe some of them, but I think a lot of people are going home because the, the Saturday night game gets home, gets done late. Uh, you almost are forced to stay in a hotel because you don't feel like driving at 11, 12 o'clock at night. So I, I, yeah, the two title games on Saturday should be five and seven. Yeah, right now, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, uh, if they kept the times the way they are now, they could play them at six and seven forty-five. Yeah, forget now. Five and seven is the way to do it. Even if things get backed up, then you're gonna be looking at six and seven forty-five. You know, as it is, and I don't think that's too long for people to wait around. Most of them, especially with how late it ends, a Friday night. You know, you're getting out of there. Right. Well, whatever. I mean, we're not. They're not going to change anything right now. So let's move on. I'm tired of whining about the IHSA. Sorry. Um, next love- question. Yeah, uh, I've had my fill of them. Uh, Brett Loy, good friend of the podcast, he says, Trey Buchanan obviously had a great season for United Township. Is it great for him that he took advantage of being the number one option for UT, but how much would he have played at Simeon? I know he started on the sophomore team last year, but it is hard to imagine he would have started the season for Simeon's varsity. Would he have been one of the first guys off the bench or more likely the 8-10 to 10 guy? How much do the other starters from that team play, and how big was his role on that team? Did or does he play for any of the well-known AAU programs? Seems like this is a great example of just how much talent Simeon has overall in their program when a relatively unknown player leaves and becomes second-team sometimes All-State. Yeah, I had this breakdown with Rob Smith a couple of weeks ago. Uh, at just 20 questions on this kid. And I asked him those exact same questions. I mean, I... He was a starter, and he labeled him their best player on last year's city sophomore championship team. I believe he led the, the what do you call it, in scoring, in the title game, the team. So I yeah. said, well, where, 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 if you had to just project. And he said sixth man, maybe seven, sixth or seventh man on this year's team. I don't know if, you know, now Rob's only seen him play, obviously, in the super sectional. Uh, you know, we, we he – Nobody really knows because he was taken out of that element. But, uh, yeah, he made the most of an uh, unbelievable opportunity. In a, and really, I mean, people in Chicago area aren't – Quad Cities is a big basketball area. And they have a lot of tradition, history. They are into it out there. That particular East, – East Moline United Township High School is, is a good basketball school with a great fan base. So I'm sure, not knowing the kid or the family – I'm sure he had an absolute terrific experience <laughs> over the course of this season. And no, it's your Brett's. It's an example, and that that's true. I think this could happen in a lot of instances. Name that comes to mind for me right away: a guy that played very little for the varsity this year for Simeon, but starred on the sophomore team for the second year in a row. Messiah Jones would have had a big year on the varsity on a lot of teams in this area, and would have been a key player. I'm thinking would have averaged 12 to 15 and seven or eight boards a game. Uh, yeah, I mean, a there's, good a, there's a number of cases like that. Even guys that actually do play and just have smaller roles, like a, yeah. like Io. You mentioned Io. I mean, that kid is a 20 plus point per game guy. At I mean, he did it as a freshman. We saw probably, that yeah, already. Yeah, 90% of the schools that he would play at. Yeah, and yes, that is how loaded Simeon and Morgan Park are. That these guys on their bench or on the sophomore team that you know could be playing on other people's varsity. Simeon's sophomore team, I watched them in the title game this year. They would be a Super 25 team. They would be, a, especially this season, they would have been a low Super 25 team, I think without question. Um, so, yeah, 
loaded. Uh, up next, Joe Cermak. Gentlemen, now that Curie has shed the best team to not win a sectional label, along with going to state, my questions to you are, number one, who are the best programs to have not won sectionals? Number two, who are the best programs to have not made it to state? Without doing a lot of homework on this one, uh, that would take me some time. I, the sectional one is tough because i got to go back historically. I do know the pro, the best I do know the most successful winningest program over the past decade and a half, 15 years, that has not been to state is probably Nequa Valley. Uh, now, they had a, their worst season in maybe school history this year. But they are a perennial 22, 24, 26 win team. And the one year, they've been close. And the one year, I remember, Dwayne Evans, they were a huge favorite going into the DeKalb Super Sectional. I mean, I think they were 28-2 and or ranked top five, and they, I think it was Dundee Crown. Maybe Dundee Crown upset them in a a huge stunner. Uh, But they're probably the team that jumps out at me as the team that has not played at state. It's probably the most successful program. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, I didn't have, this question just came in today. So, yeah, we have not had a lot of time to look for it. What it comes to mind for me, and it's they've been to state and they've they've won sectionals, but it's been so long for Oak Park. You know, I think '76 was the last time they won a sectional. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a crazy drought with the amount of talent they've had. NBA player, I mean, even and without a sectional win, so that that definitely comes to mind. Um, boy, but yeah, other than that, I'm having troubles with the uh, not won the sectional. You know, we we had Curie for so long to pick on for that. That's over with. But who? I mean, who else? As far as a sectional, I ever? Know. I mean, RB won I mean, it last year. Uh, yeah, they I, they had the drought before. You know, not like but they're not some great program. Ah, I think I got one. Well, no, they've won one back in the day, but it's been a a long while. De La Salle. Oh. They, they, yeah. they, they've had a, some really good teams and fallen short in some tough sectional roads. But uh, I know they went years ago. But um, yeah, there, There's really not a powerhouse now that we can say has never won it, a sectional, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, the south suburbs, nobody. Uh, Lincoln Way West has one now. Yeah, I mean, I don't... <laughs> Lincoln Way Central's got one. I mean, yeah, I think most of the powers, or even like above average regular teams, have, have a sectional win at this point. I mean, I guess Kenwood now, but they just kind of arrived in the scene. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty good. As far as not made it to state, uh, that's a bigger ball. Um, yeah, I mean... I, but, but ever? I mean... Well, and that's why Nikwa jumps out at me, because they've had some... I mean, they've been a rake program... Yeah. For most of, you know, Marian Catholic has arrived on the scene the last five years. Uh, I don't, they got their sectional titles, but yeah, I don't know. There's no supercharged power team that program, I guess, that yeah, is that that, that's lacking that on their resume, on their historical resume. Yeah, I mean, Marion, I don't think they've ever been downstate, but they haven't been good forever. Um, right, right. So, all right. Sorry, Joe. Maybe we can hit that question later. It was not – dragging a little bit today. It was a long weekend. I, I did not go to research that one. Um, next question is uh, 
Let's see. It's from Scott Young, I think it is. He says, enjoy the show. Which teams that fell off last year, not just underperformed, might be set for a comeback? You may not want to answer until after Summer League. Last year as this year? I think, yeah, he means this year, who might um, turn it around, have have a nice year. That would require me to go and find the struggling teams. Um, Any names? Yeah, that jump out. I'm going to take a quick scan here through the uh, uh, standings. I think there's some young teams that are going to be interesting. Providence St. Mel has got a lot of young talent. They had a bad record. Um, I mean, I think they're going to have a good season. I mean, Bolingbroke came on strong, lost in the regional, finished 15 and 11. Yeah. They're going to be much, much better. DePaul was year. about 500. They're going to be better. They're going to be yeah. They're definitely going to be better. Um, most likely, um, who else was younger that we, uh, Niles North. I think they ended up with a, a actually they had 20 wins. So forget them, but they're young. Um, they're going to be a team to watch. Uh, I think next year for sure. Waukegan, uh, they were under 500. I know. Um, so they're going to be one, they're going to be a lot better. They played a lot of those freshmen they're, they're a team to keep an eye on. Um, anybody else that was bad? Downers Dwarf North will be better. Nazareth had a lot of young kids, right? I did not get to see them. Yeah. Um, but they had a horrible record. So and a co- coaching opening, right? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Um, I've not heard that officially, but um, yeah, I think they they do. Uh, John Bonk. How about Larkin? Christian Negron? Oh, boy. They better have a better year. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, 15 and 12 this year. 6 and 6 in the league. Uh, um, Thornwood. Yeah, losing some guys, but yeah, I mean... I, there's not one team that's there's what's sad, what's interesting is there's a lot of teams I in of in the power teams that I look at as not better than this year, which is a concern. You you go through all these top teams, which team you can say significantly is going to be better? Not a lot of them. No. Joliet so, West. <laughs> Joliet West should be Hillcrest Hill uh, yeah. should be. Whitney Young should be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that, the, sh- the list gets short. The, what, what's troubling is the western suburbs, Ugh. which was already down this year. It, I mean, it's hard to see, right? Where is the turnaround? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Naperville North had a great year. Lost, got upset in the regional. Yeah. But West Aurora was playing better at the end of the year. But I mean, are we? They're going to be ranked next year? I don't know. I don't. I mean, Naperville North will be a ranked team. They'll be a top preseason top twenty-five. Um. In the western suburbs, Bennett will be got, th- you know, two three key pieces back. They'll be okay. Um, All right, that's uh, I think um, we had another question. Alex Andre here has been two weeks in a row. A lot of people want us to talk about recruiting and the big dance and why there's no Illinois teams in. We're gonna save that I think for a, a, one of our future podcasts coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, wanted to stick to kind of the season here. So thanks for those questions, guys. We will get to those. I'm going to save them here on my shelf um, in the next couple of weeks. You don't got to resend them. But uh, anything else you want to hit in this one, Joe? Are you ready to wrap this up? Now let's wrap the season up right now. <laughs> All right, that is it. 2015-2016 season is in the books. It was a wild one. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will not be going silent for the spring and summer we'll be back maybe in two weeks or so hit up some kind of a take a full look back at the season maybe make some award choices that kind of stuff joe's always good at coming up with those categories and then we'll maybe hit some spring and summer stuff in another episode but thanks for listening everyone (music) 